You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. It is time. It is time. They can't be like Packers. No. Are you crazy? Welcome back to Packernet. JJ Leahy, Ryan Schlipp, Jake Schwink. Uh, Matt LaFleur could not make it this week due to uh, scheduling issues. Maybe some point in the future he'll be on the show. We are drafting Green Bay Packers who either helped or hurt themselves in the Bengals preseason game. Um, and I, th- I think we'll just mix it up uh, what the order is going to be. Uh, Ryan went first last week with the draft, so we're doing... Uh, Jake up first, then Ryan, then me, and no snake. And what we're doing here is whoever is the most interesting for you to talk about, sort of the the juiciest player of like, man, this guy couldn't have played much worse. Like, you know, he had a starting job locked up, and now, like, is he going to make the 53? Like, that'd be super juicy. So would, you know, the guy we signed two days ago who, man, really electrifying, might be making the roster. Just however you think um, it's going to be the most fun to talk about these guys. If you want to draft a guy who got hurt and say this guy helped him uh, hurt himself the most, um, you know, if he got injured, if you want, to, if you want to do guy. that, that's fine. But <laughs> just make it interesting. Like this is an entertainment podcast, so um, I, in my opinion, if you make it boring, uh, that's when we're all going to hate you. So, um, Jake, Fair. while Ryan and I are screwing around with trying to get the uh, link up so people can watch us live. Sure. Sure. I'm kicking over to you to talk about Jordan love uh, because this is kind of the first time that we have had any eyeballs on him for a, you know, sustained drive two drives uh, since like the Eagles game, basically. So talk to me about what you saw and, you know, highs, lows concerns. What was your, your reaction to that? Yeah, I don't know why. This feels really fresh on the mind. Um, you know, so be able to talk about it, I think. Uh so with Jordan Love, I think there were there were things that I think when you look at how the Fleurs kind of designed things and when you look at the, the what the peak of the offense was uh, under Rogers with the Fleur in twenty twenty, it was like mastering the quick game, right? 
giving guys a chance to make plays after the catch. You know, it was it was a lot of rhythm stuff. And I think with Love, I think he did a great job of operating that type of offense, and, and he got things going pretty well rhythmically. I think there were just a couple hiccups, obviously. I think when you look at how he handled the, the rollout stuff, I think that was on target, on time, where it needed to be. When you look at uh, – there was a play, uh, Chris Watson running the out route – Ball is separated. Like we're, we're making that throw before Watson's breaking. That was really nice to see on time. And I think when, you know, you saw him, you know, break out the arm a little bit on that rollout uh, to, to Dobbs. So he's, he's firing. The velocity looks great when he's on the move, rolling left, no problems there. And, and he took care of business in a lot of opportunities. But of course, you get the, you get the missed screen opportunity. You miss, you know, Luke Musgrave, we were talking about this before we started. It was like, you know, it's like you see a guy wide open in Madden and you forget what button to push. Like that's that's kind of what it feels like. <laughs> you, you see a guy who's that open, you're kind of just in your own head. You can't can't believe somebody's this wide open. And that that happens sometimes. Hopefully it's not a trend. Hopefully it does not continue. He doesn't miss Musgrave on what could have been, you know, perhaps a house call. <laughs> which would have been, you know, impressive uh, feat to watch uh, Musgrave handle things after the catch. But yeah, I think obviously there's things you got to clean up. There's, you know, still things where, you know, you take care of simple things like like hitting Musgrave wide open, like, you know, getting the ball over the defender rather than trying to get around him with a sidearm where he, it's a big guy. He, he's going to get in the way a lot. So I think, you know, in terms of like, okay, he's handling the little things well, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. And I think, you know, I I'm still optimistic about what we saw. I think there's plenty to build on from that but a few things that that you're going to have to clean up he's going to have to feel like you know I think a little more confident in the pocket as well I think he needs to feel like he can you know move with his eyes and feet at the same time when something's not there I think there are times which we've seen in the past too where he you know something's not there and there's like the little like bit of pressure that he starts to feel and that kind of starts to like, he starts to wither a little bit and you see that kind of like prepare for pressure type of thing. He kind of scrunches and, and everything gets a little tight and that's where you see some inaccuracy issues. So I think there's still plenty to build on though. I think he clearly feels confident in a lot of things that the offense is doing. And I think, you know, he should be obviously playing in the next two games. So we should get more uh, looks at him, but I wouldn't say I'm displeased from what we saw at all. I think, you know, I feel pretty middle of the road, which is a very lame answer, obviously, but you know, it's, I feel like it's the one that's kind of on the button. Ryan, uh, some concerns for me with just the ongoing seeming inability to really stretch the field and hit some of these deep balls. feels like the compressed passing game is working splendidly. You know, for the most part, it seems like uh, love has done a, a fine job with screens uh, LaFleur just gets guys open all day long, seemingly on every single play. Any concerns for, from you on the uh, deep passing game? Just from the little snip that we saw from Love, in, in, you know, on top of what we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, I mean, we, we've heard, first of all, the, the pass to, um, to Christian Watson was right in stride. So that was at least good to see, even if it was somewhat ill-advised potentially. But, um, I mean, just... When I dug into the numbers, and I don't remember exactly offhand what they were, they were shocking. I mean, like two for 24 or something just insane 
for passes over 20 yards. I think it's two for 19. Yeah. So the, um, we've heard about some good passes in camp, some deeper passes and whatnot. I, I, what I said on one of the podcasts I recorded today was essentially, I can only operate with the information that I have available to me, right? I can sit here and say, yeah, it might get better. Of, of course it might get better, but I don't know. All I know is the numbers say it's horrible right now. So I just want to see that little bit of a progression, right? There's there's essentially three issues I'm having. That's one of them. And I just want to see it. Show me that you can hit these guys in stride. It doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously, longer passes have a lower completion percentage. I'm not saying 100%. I'm not even saying 80% or 70%. But it's got to be a heck of a lot higher than the whatever ridiculous percentage we're operating with right now. So, um yeah, I mean, I, I love that the short game is working. I love the efficiency of the offense, getting guys open and being able to usually hit those. But without those explosive plays, you're going to struggle to to win in the NFL, I think. Well, we have some people tuning in live, which is kind of fun because this was not intended to be <laughs> a live stream. Kind of my uh, fault. <laughs> wait, we had, I don't know, a couple hours before we started recording, uh, we discovered – I discovered an issue with the service that I was going to use to record. And um, then Ryan said, don't worry, we got something else. Turns out something else doesn't let us record a group call without streaming it. So what the heck? You guys get behind the scenes access into this. Uh, Goose weighed in. He's concerned about Love's accuracy. Elevated Shine says, I think he'll be fine. Everything is just a small sample size right now. So it's hard to truly judge him. Yeah, I think if Matt LaFleur had considered playing Jordan Love more than like 10 snaps last year, might be a different story in terms of the uh, small sample size. Uh, and then Katie weighs in. She says, I think Love knew where to go with the ball, and I think that's progress. It does seem like uh, Love has a firm grasp of the offense. That's something I have have enjoyed about watching him is there's um, – at least once he kind of settles into a rhythm, it seems like he's – always has to start out every single practice and every single game just like wound super tight and needs to relax. But once he's, once he's kind of into his groove, there's a calm presence that he carries that I really like. And it feels like he's very uh, keyed into what Matt LaFleur's design is for each play um, in the offense. And and I, I like seeing that it's um I don't know, not that, not that uh, the last guy we had under center was any kind of a slob or anything, um, but it, it, it feel, it's, it's just nice to see how Jordan and Matt just seem to be really dialed into each other, that there's just a you know, very um, synergistic harmony going on there a lot of the time. Let's get into our draft. Jake, uh, you are up first on the clock. We're going to take a guy who you are the most excited to talk about, who hurt or helped himself with his Bengals preseason game performance. As, as I feel like a conductor of a certain train that we kind of maybe talked about a little bit last week, <laughs> there is nowhere else I'm starting. Uh, then we're going TJ Slayton, man. That was, that was awesome. Just go out there and crush a few dudes on the offensive line. Uh, Ryan <laughs> brought this up. I know when he was going through uh, the PFF stuff, um, you know, two pressures on four attempts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's talk about exponential growth. Like, like from what we've seen, like, obviously it's a really small sample size, but to watch him like 50% is sustainable. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, but like he, it just, I don't know something about it. He looks a little bit quicker off the ball. 
Uh, I, I saw that pretty quickly. I think, you know, just watching him push the pocket on, on centers, he's, he's splitting the guy, guys who are combo blocking him and making, you know, plays in the backfield against the run. Like he, he, he disrupted obviously the quarterback on two occasions. Like if, if we see that type of player, obviously in his, you know, over the course of a season, you're not, like you said, 50%, you know, pressure rate, but like I said, if he can double, you know, maybe even more than double the, his pressures uh, from a year ago, I think we're going to see a lot from him. And and like I talked about on last week's thing, like he, I think he matters on early down so much. And I think, I don't know if we're going to get to it later in the game, but it's interesting to watch like when that, even that second and third team are out there when Ford, you know, obviously the other really bigger guy they have along the defensive line, they're running away from him. And I think, you know, just having the presence of, of, of Slayton on that defensive line matters a ton. And to just see him come out and go, oh, yeah, I know, you know, we're not getting all, every Bengal starter out there, but you know what? I'll just whoop the guys in front of me. I don't care who's in front of me. I, I just – that felt like he brought that attitude, and I, I just really liked that a lot. Did I, did I hear you say that uh, you saw guys running away from John Ford? Like, yeah, they're like – they're so they had Ford online. I know they were – they were combo blocking forward and they were running the opposite way. Like they're, they don't want to deal with the big guys. And, and just imagine, you know, having five man line and, and having Slayton in there and, and just teams hopefully frustrated because they can't, you know, get early down success against the run. Something we haven't, you know, been able to produce in, in, in several seasons now. So I, I want to see that. I think Slayton looks like at least after one game, like he's ready to wreak havoc. And I couldn't be more excited, especially because I think, you know, when you look at the performances of the rest of the defensive linemen, uh, and I'm sure. sure we're going to talk about a few of them, it was nice to see somebody like Slayton jump out. I, I think overall, I am as excited as I has, have ever been about the Packers' defensive line. I mean, there are a bunch of years where I just didn't want to think about them at all. Um, but I, we got some dudes that I'm, I'm very excited about, and it just seems like they're overall a pretty formidable force. You know, the, the first and second string, you know, together – yeah, you got some hiccups with the young guys. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk about that a bit today, but overall, I'm just I'm super geeked about just the overall unit. Uh, Ryan, you are up next. Take a guy who you think helped or hurt himself in the Bengals preseason game. I just changed my mind three seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough to see. I, I uh, I'm actually the the comment section kind of pushed me a little bit here, but um, here let me let me pull it up. I'm going to go with uh, Rashid Walker. Heck, yeah. an obvious one. I, yes. I probably shouldn't list other names, but there was somebody else that I was thinking about because the, the question was who went from, in my mind, like the furthest away from making the roster to like a good chance or whatever. Yeah, man. And there was somebody else that kind of made a lot of sense. But, you know, the more I think about it, it's kind of pie in the sky. I don't think it's actually going to happen. But Rashid Walker, um, at one point, I was kind of looking at him and Caleb and just thinking, you know, they're kind of the same guy. Maybe one of them makes a 53, but they're a backup. They're probably a bad backup, sort of a number three. You don't really want them on the field kind of a guy. And now I'm legitimately looking at it and saying, if this dude can continue for the first time ever, I might be okay with Zach Tom going to center. Like if, if things really are that bad, if we, if we have Rashid Walker playing tackle, that would be the only situation. Cause I know I don't want Yash over there. I know I don't want that, but if Rashid Walker and, and and again, this might be a little bit too pie in the sky, but I mean, just watching how drastic the Packers have moved him um, to taking starting left tackle snaps ahead of Yash Nyman because of one preseason game. And then, you know, everybody else kind of breaking it down and looking how, uh, how great of a job he's done. Um, 
I, th- I, I think it's probably a legit thing that the Packers really are interested in him and that we might have another guy kind of competing. And if, if I don't know if it's real or not, but if he has leapfrogged Yash Nyman, worst case scenario, we've got some really great options at backup tackle. Um, but even, even aside from all that, when you look at maybe a year from now when Bakhtiari leaves, we're going to need some options. So again, Yash Nyman, Zach Tom, Rashid Walker, Elton Jenkins, it just really helps to see Rashid explode into the conversation. We're going to need to kind of take some time and figure out how real it is and, and what he can do in, in his second preseason game. But I was I was kind of stunned to see the the big leap that he took. Yeah, I was excited to watch Rashid. Um, I kind of just had dropped a lot of my expectations for him. This is a guy yeah. I really liked a lot in the draft. I just pulled up my 2022 big board because I was curious where I had him. I had him as my number 19 tackle in that draft. I have a, roughly a fourth round pick. I know what you're laughing about. You're Freaking about I just shines. I just looked over at the comments. Elevated so shines. I'm a little comment. behind. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I wish we could put that on the screen. Well, yeah. <laughs> Rashid Walker was, I had him right behind Nicholas Petit Frere. Um, both guys that I thought about fourth round values, you know, and then as he kept falling in the draft, and then we, you know, eventually ended up taking him in the second, the seventh round. I was excited to get him, um, you know, in the building in Green Bay and see if he could turn into something. Um, but prior to this game, like he had really drifted pretty far down my depth chart. So um, the fact that it seems like he basically has leapfrogged Yash Nyman in the span of a week <laughs> and he's no. taken, taken serious snaps with the ones uh, in practice. It's, it's crazy and it's exciting, uh, but he's got all the, all the physical tools that you would want. I mean, you know, six foot six, 313 pounds, decently athletic dude. His PFF grades were never that great. Um, but the you know the pressures weren't too bad. I enjoyed watching him at Penn State, so uh, nice to uh, nice to see something come on out of him in year two. So I'm on the clock, and there's just so many directions I want to go with this pick. I am regretting a little bit that we're not doing a snake draft because then I could just take two guys. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and take Jaden Reed, um, but it's like basically a three way split for who I want to talk about next. But I'm taking Jaden Reed. Jake, I, I thought you were probably going to uh, go this direction with your pick since you picked him as your guy that you're driving the the hype bus for uh, last week. Sure. But Jaden Reed, I thought, resoundingly claimed the starting slot receiver role last week. Um, you know, they had him out a little bit on the field there after they pulled Christian and Romeo. Uh, he's, he still was playing a little bit when uh, Samari and uh, Bo Melton – and Malik Heath were out there. Um, but then when Tay Wicks came out, that was it for Jaden Reed. They called it night for him, and he was fantastic while he was out there. Uh, I think probably for everybody, you know, when I uh, mentioned Jaden Reed's name and you think about the Bengals game, you immediately think about that pass where he just like went up and sort of Odell'd it a little bit. Um, it was super fun to watch. Love the effort, love the explosiveness. I think that for as raw of a guy as he still is. And, you know, he still needs some, some development for sure. You kind of feel good about having him out there as your wide receiver three early on in the season. Um, I, I like that. We weren't seeing, you know, drops from the wide receiver unit on the whole in the, in the whole day, something that I was expecting to see them do. Um, seemed like Jaden Reed had really good hands 
Um, I liked the routes he ran. I thought he made some good effort a couple times to come, you know, work his way back to the ball. Um, overall, just super impressed with him and excited for what this means for the offense. You know, uh, love a lot of the other guys in that wide receiver room, but Jaden Reed's explosiveness and um, the the danger he poses deep down the field. He's just a guy I want on the field on offense. I like the idea of having him and Luke Musgrave and Christian Watson all out there on the field at the same time. Like defense, pick your fricking poison. You better get pressure on love because otherwise you're cooked. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Yeah, unless they're too open. Um. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I think that was from, wasn't that from before we started recording? We were talking about, uh, yeah. yeah. About I, guys I, I briefly brought Jordan. it up. I briefly brought it up <laughs> at the beginning. But, yes, it was before we started. Uh, Goose with a bold take, by the way, in the comments. Bold take. Whoa. <laughs> Settle down. Settle Goose. down. Goose. <laughs> Bold. Uh, I like Just it. Being... No, let's be honest. That's a stupid take. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Not for, for, the, uh, <laughs> for the folks who are listening to this later on audio, Goose says Zach Tom oh, yeah. will be a starter on the O-line. Crazy oh, talk. God. Truly yeah. crazy talk. All right, Jake, you are up next. Uh, anybody that you want to dog on? We've been hyping guys up so far. But oh, we're, your choice. We're, your choice. No, it's our choice. Okay, I I feel like I got to take this guy here, uh, just in true draft fashion. He's just got to scoop him up here and talk about him. Uh, and it's topical. Uh, KDS was brought up in the chat. Actually, uh, let's talk about Malik Heath for a second. Uh, who I thought, you know, I think obviously the coaches they're looking at more than the splash plays for sure. But obviously, I think, you know, oh, man. <laughs> Shut up, Daniel. The takes are getting bolder about Zach Tom. Zach Tom will be Jeez. listed on our roster this season. Guys, I, these takes are – we're going to bring these takes back up. I can't believe people are saying this stuff. Collect your receipts. Uh, yeah, collect them. Um, <laughs> but just like a couple things, like the little things that Malik Heath did as a receiver first. I know we're going to get to, I think the second part of this uh, for sure. Cause it's something that he did so well that it kind of led to a little bit of, you know, a skirmish and Lafleur, you know, had some great comments after, after the game, but uh, his first catch really love working back to the ball. Uh, obviously he's a big guy, right? And, and big guys are often kind of like, you know what? I'm just bigger. Like if this is a, you know, a catch I have to make in traffic, fine, I'll do that. I like the initiative to be like, no, no, I, I can come back to the ball. I can make this easier on myself. Uh, a lot of receivers don't do that. Um, not to go off complete tangents, but a lot of receivers are, are very, you know, in favor of I'll track this in uh, to my body rather than go get it. Uh, don't like that attitude, especially, you know, down the field, you know, between multiple defenders. But I really, <laughs> I really like uh, what he did there. And then uh, he, a uh, little in route over the middle recognizing uh, as the ball is coming, okay, I got to get out of the way of this defender. Really good job of like pre-post catch awareness. For those who are listening, you can just replay that in your head. It's correct. Think about it. Uh, but just catch. I, really, yeah, pre-post catch awareness. Yeah. 
So like just really good job understanding where defenders are at. You know, I got to get underneath this guy, this crossing linebacker. He's going to hit me and pick up a few yards after the catch. Really like the instincts there. I think he's got a great feel for zone coverage. That's really nice to see as well. Again, a lot of receivers just kind of, I need to run to this space, 10 yards downfield. That's what the play tells me. Uh, If there's a defender there, oh, well, I ran the 10 yards I need to be down the field. It's like, no, no, have some feel, you know, (laughs) see where defenders are at, find a little space. And I really like that about him too. And of course, my man just brought it as a blocker too. So well, that started a little bit of a skirmish, brought it from from practice (laughs) earlier in the week. So I I really thought he did did a great job. It's obviously going to be very competitive at the end of this end of this roster who's going to stick if they're going to take six receivers who's it going to be right he made a statement and you know am i as to to use ryan's uh terminology from earlier am i pie in the sky like could this be like a lazard situation i don't think he's going to be like you know oh wow four-year 44 million dollar contract in five years not getting that ahead but like a guy who a big-bodied receiver who can play the possession role a little bit and (laughs) Uh, Goose, Goose you are bad decision. <laughs> Goose, you are hurting Gosh, the the derailing quality of our me audio pod. Right <laughs> it's just going to be Ryan and me snickering in the it's background like, while Jake I'm like talks. panicking. I'm like sound panicking. like he's making it's terrible takes. Receiver. Yeah, he's talking, and we're just laughing at him. Yeah. We're not laughing um, at Jake. We're laughing at Goose yeah. being an idiot. Yeah, this is this the the chat is is having having a great time. It's Goose, fix your um, internet so you can join this call live yeah, and actually yeah, just yeah. be a part of it. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Goose, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, but yeah, I, he has, he had to show something, you know, it feels like I, we might be talking about another receiver probably. I don't want to say his name yet, but I think he did a good job too. And so like, it's going to be that much more difficult to make the team at the end of this roster. And I think Malik, he showed yeah. a little bit of well, something that maybe the others haven't quite at the end of the roster just yet. So really like that. At this point in time, it's abundantly clear that there are seven wide receivers and then there's some other guys who are also in camp. Um, yeah. You saw a, a pretty prolonged battle, I think, between Bo Melton and Malik Heath for that wide receiver six job. And I, I, I have both of them, I think, ahead of Tay Wicks on the depth chart at the moment, but obviously Tay Wicks is not getting cut, he's going to make the 53, which means if they keep six wide receivers, which is the most likely outcome, it's going to be Bo Melton or Malik Heath. And I thought Malik Heath kind of won that first round, in my opinion. I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Bo Melton responds with in preseason week two against the Patriots. Because I think going into this game, I think Bo Melton was significantly ahead of Malik Heath. I mean, you saw Bo Melton out, out on the field um, way earlier than Malik Heath in the game. He was getting some significant snaps kind of early on in the game before Malik Heath even came in. But, dude, Malik Heath brought it. Ryan, did you have any thoughts on how Malik Heath played or, or you know, comparing him to some of the other wide receivers he's competing with? I mean, for a long time in that game, like two and a half, three quarters of the game, um, or maybe more, it was just Samori Toure, Bo Melton and Malik Heath, and then kind of rotating in Tay Wicks with, you know, one of the guys above just kind of for most of the game. Yeah, no, I I think you're right about, you know, they're just being a a firm line in terms of the guys that are above and the guys that are below. And like you said, Bo Melton and Malik Malik Heath have kind of been 
on either side. But in this preseason game, it was obvious where Malik was on that side of the line, right? As far as the guys that were productive, guys that made plays, guys that looked like they belonged on the field. Malik Heath was one of those guys. Whereas, you know, the Bo Melton's, Cody Crest, Jadakiss Bonds, Deuce Watts, you know, they, they are where they are for a reason. So, yeah, I mean, th- that as far as making it real easy for me to kind of figure out who goes where, I think this game and, and Malik Heath's performance, and, and yeah, that that block, especially him coming out and just saying, you know, they look, they told me they wanted goons, so I'm going to go out there and goon, you know. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and just beat the crap out of a uh, out of a defender, and, and uh, if that's what you want, I got, all, I got that all day. So he's listening, he's willing to do whatever it takes, and I know for a fact the coach is just – freaking fell in love with that when they saw it so yeah i'm i'm very confident that he's gonna stay right there on my 53 look matt lafleur might want a goon i think uh packernet will settle for goose <laughs> all right ryan you're up next who do you want to draft nobody's touched the low-hanging fruit so i feel like i should i, stay. I know exactly <laughs> where you're going i wanted to well, go yeah no, go ahead sure. all know no, somebody no, had to somebody's got to do it so i uh no, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm not going to be the first one to take the easy ones. Right. I'm actually going to stick with a similar player, but I'm going to say Tay Wicks. Um, I, I I think he had a very quietly very good day. He actually led the team in uh, yards. He was the highest graded receiver via PFF. I mean, he's. It's it's interesting how little we've really talked about him. Like we're excited about you know a lot of other guys for a lot of good reasons. But, um, I mean, if you had to ask who had the best day of all the guys who had good days, you could argue Dontavian Wicks was that guy. And, again, similar to what I said about Malik Heath in terms of does he belong with this group of starters or is he kind of in that, like, developmental, not so sure about this guy. I think from the day he stepped foot on the field, he's been that guy. I mean, he is, you know, not trying to overreact to training camp clips but i mean there's just a very clear distinction between his route running and some of the other guys it's so clean it's so smooth and i I remember watching the game just being angry because you see him catch a pass and it's like show the replay and then they show the replay of the quarterback standing in the pocket like no dummy show the replay of wicks because i know he just killed somebody i know he broke his ankles to get open so i'm not that there's any all 22 out there i'm sure it doesn't exist but if there was i'd be excited to go back and watch it (laughs) and uh, and see if I could find out what happened with those Dontavian Wicks clips. But, um, no, I think he had a, a sneaky good night, and um, I'm excited to see that continue. Wicks running routes looks smooth and powerful. I mean, yeah. I, I think the power really shows up, especially, like, coming out of his breaks or, like, after he catches and then he makes a cut. He's kind of one of those guys I, – I think I'd be overreacting to say that he, like, doesn't slow down when he turns, you know uh, – Jackson Smith, the jig was a guy that people said that about. And it's absolutely true with him. Tay, it's maybe an exaggeration to say that, but it's like he channels that speed into just more momentum. Like as he's, as he's kind of going through his break, I feel like you try and tackle him there. Like it's going to be a, a freight train just hitting you right in the mouth. Uh, I, I love watching him run. It's funny. Cause I, I disliked watching his, uh, his tape from his final year in college didn't really enjoy watching it, but now that he's in camp and I'm watching, you know, the two, three second clips that we have <laughs> every once in a while, when somebody decides to upload something of uh Wicks running, I just, I'm, I want him on the offense. I want him out yeah. there because, you know, I, I'm going to compare him to Samari Toure because they are very different bodies and Toure 
does a lot of things nice, but he's kind of small and slight. And Wix is kind of just going to barrel through you. Uh, he's just, you know, it's like tackling a bullet versus, you know, Tori's kind of built more like one of us where you're like, hey, he's going right down. Um, so I, I don't know. Wix. I just, I, I, I want Wix out there. That's, that's all I'm going to say. I will say the Wix that we've seen in camp and in the preseason looks like 2021 Wix. Right. Like the 2021 Wix that caught 57 for 1201 and nine touchdowns, <laughs> six games over 125 yards, cooking guys like Devin Witherspoon in back-to-back seasons because they played Illinois two in a row. Like the guy who, uh, but also the guy who had an 8% drop rate over a 23% drop rate in 2022, like that dude who won 15 of 29 contested balls in 2021. Like that's the Wicks we're seeing right now. That version of Wicks had him a higher on a lot of like early summer scouting boards. And I think we're kind of seeing it. And that's, that's exciting. Nick five, five, two, two has a great comment. He says, he looks like Wicks with good coaches. There you go. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead and take Carrington Valentine. Um, kind of thought he might sure. be 1.1 in this draft, but we all sure. pass on him yeah. till the end of the second round. Steel. Steel. He's, uh, I mean, just wow. Is there any other word besides just wow? I think watching Carrington Valentine play corner made me hate watching Corey Ballantyne play corner. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly one way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like now him it's... so much, but I freaking hate everybody else now. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things. I don't know. It's like, um, it's like, you know, you try a new flavor of ice cream or something and like you're craving that. And then someone's like, Hey, you know, you want some mint chocolate chip. And you're like, no dude, this, you know, this uh, maple walnut crunch that I had yesterday is like, sounds way better. Mm-hmm. Valentine, not only is he the shiny new toy, he played out of his mind. Um, uh, really, really fun to watch. He had an 89.8 grade, uh, had 21 coverage snaps. Dude was just kind of electric, added four tackles uh, with a run stop into the mix. He was targeted six times, only gave up two receptions for a total of 16 yards he kind of was just everywhere. And then he's been killed in camp as well. Uh, what do you have two pick sixes today or yesterday? I'm, the days are starting to run together for me now, but I, I don't think that anybody aside from Rashid Walker has kind of popped up and captured our attention um, with just a, a couple short days the way that Carrington Valentine has. And I think that although it's a good cornerback room, I think there is, room for Valentine to take a job away from somebody ahead of him, whether that's Keyshawn Nixon on defense or Shmarjean Charles. I think Innes Gaines is probably a dude who is probably in a fight for his life with Carrington Valentine. Now Uh, Valentine was fun to watch in college. And I, you know, right after we drafted him seemed like everybody started popping up and saying like, Oh man, this was my dude. Like I had a huge draft crush on Valentine and he's been fun to watch. Every time we have had a a chance to see him, but man, like talking about just owning a game, like defensively, Valentine was like poster boy. Like give him the game ball for that. (laughs) Um, I, you know, I think if he's going to have any kind of a role on defense, obviously it's going to have to be in the slot. Uh, I don't really love love the idea of putting Rasul in the slot and, you know, I'm going to slap the next person who tries to say we should make Jair our slot receiver or slot corner. (laughs) 
Um, so, you know, what can Valentine do in the slot? I think a, a bigger sample size in the preseason might help us answer that question a little bit. I will be curious to see if they give him more reps in the slot in preseason week two. That could be an indication that the coaches are interested in trying to get him onto the starting defense. Otherwise, I think you have landed yourself a guy that you feel good about if one of your starting corners has to miss some time. Hey, you love to have a guy of Valentine's caliber. Uh, you know, <laughs> Shut up, Goose. We're not putting John Money in the slot. Get over here, you Canadian. I'm going to smack oh, you. Oh, man. All right, I'm getting off my soapbox now. Any uh, thoughts on Valentine? Dog. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you pretty much laid it out. I mean, at worst case scenario, we have a, a pretty good backup. Um, I do think the move, if it's going to happen, is Razul in the slot. That would be the only thing because, you know, Carrington is going to be ahead of Keyshawn. I don't think Valentine goes in the slot. That would be more of a Jake question, but I, I don't think that's probably going to happen. Um, and like, uh, you know, I also agree we should not put Jair in the slot. I, I do wonder if there's maybe some situational things, if we could have four corners. There are going to be times when the opponent's best guy is going to be in the slot, and maybe Jair is going to want to follow him in there, maybe not the whole game. But we sub people in and out. Is there a chance we could see Carrington with Razul on the boundary and Jair on the slot just as a package or something? I don't know. Maybe. But as a primary um, defense, no, I don't think that's going to happen. If it is, I do think Razul is going to end up going in the slot, which I don't think most people want. I'm kind of okay with that because I'm not a huge Keyshawn Nixon fan. In the slot, I'm not saying, you know, in general, I love Keyshawn Nixon. I know that's blasphemous to say. But as a slot corner, I, I... I wouldn't be surprised if Razul could do a better job. So I wouldn't mind if we at least explore Carrington being a boundary guy. Yeah, yeah he played think... in, in 22 <clears throat> PFF has him as playing nine snaps in the slot and almost 650 yeah. out wide. Yeah. I was going to say they definitely <laughs> didn't play him there very much. Um, I didn't think it was that drastic, but Yeah. I think there's just some things that I remember watching him. I'm like, oh, that just, I, and then thinking about like this scenario in the slot, I'm kind of like, ah, because I think instinctually, you know, when you're asking him to play zone coverage, when he's buzzing down, you know, and, and, and filling to go tackle guy underneath, I think the instincts are there. I just am wondering if he's quick enough and, and explosive enough out of that break to handle some of these guys that you're going to see in the slot. That's my only thing. Now, if you're asking him, you know, uh, play some catch technique because he's big and physical. I can, I I could get on board with that, but I think this. he's just going to be. Go ahead. In uh, three college seasons, he played about fourteen hundred snaps out wide. Nineteen in the slot total. <laughs> uh, Kentucky clearly uh, had a had a um a plan to play him somewhere. That's uh, that's clear. <laughs> um. But yeah, if they're gonna let him play like catch, and because I know he's physical, we we all, we all can definitely see that there was some like close-ish pass interference. You know, the guy kind of swallowed the whistle a little bit, maybe, and left the flag in like a couple times, where it's like, yeah, you know, that could have been. So I mean, if you want him to be physical in the slot, I think he could be. It's just I'm wondering if what you're asking him, footwork, quicks, acceleration-wise, I just feel like he's got the eyes and the instincts to play more on the boundary. And I think he's he's proven that. Too old for this has a great plan, by the way. Just put Valentine in with everyone else and hope we don't get called for 12 <laughs> men on the field. <laughs> Love it. You could try it. Hey, there's such a thing as a nickel defense. Come on. Yeah. If you ain't, you ain't trying. So, you know. All right. Uh, I think 
I think we got Jake on the clock next. Who are you taking? Um, I'll, I'll flip over to the to the hurt side a little bit. Uh, as somebody who had liked this pick a year ago, it was kind of like, all right, well, it was a down year, you know, didn't get a lot of opportunities. It's like, all right, well, maybe this is time, you know, you know, get right, go, get right in camp, like show us something in the preseason. It's just Sean Ryan does not look comfortable out there, and it shows. And I think. When at least from what I've you know tried to see from the broadcast angle, you know we're just waiting on that coach's film. Will we ever get it? I don't know. Um, you know that's the money, the million dollar question. I but like it just looks like he doesn't want to really move his feet a lot when he's setting a pass protection. He's just like he wants to get into the stance and then just kind of like get wide hands and be like, I right, can I just like wrap you up, bear hug you? <laughs> Where it's kind of like, all right, no, no, you, you got to move your feet a little. Like this is like you know. It, it just feels like he looks uncomfortable. I don't know if that's if part of it is you know moving to guard, but like honestly, like if you're playing tackle, which he did, like you should you should know a lot of this stuff. You should know like you know I got to reset my feet. Like this is like a thing that I have to do. And so yeah, his hands just look wide a lot, and like obviously he get, he gives up the pressure that you know the Clifford pick six happens. It's like well, we know what happened there. Whose fault is that really? And so like it just it did not look good. And I feel like he also, there were times where I'm like, Oh wow. Like, you know, if we're going to look like a team that doesn't have like five pass protectors and like, no, like we're not moving, you know, the line scrimmage at all in the run game. Like we have just pass protectors. Like if there's anyone who can help, like, you know, bring a little bit of that brute physicality and like displacement, it was going to be Ryan along with Jenkins. And I just feel like he has, Show me a little of that, but like just technique wise, the hands are so wide. He's relying on just like being big and that just does not work. Like you have to, you have to be more than that. Like everybody's big, like technique, footwork, everything has to be there. It just has not looked good. I am a little concerned. I think a lot of people, like I said, I think the expectations kind of like, all right, you know what? It was one year. Let's see how year two goes. Right. He was a mid round pick, but like, it just does not look good right now. Ryan, any uh, thoughts on Sean Ryan? Well, I mean, I I took a different uh, sort of approach to that insofar as, um, I mean, he looked subpar, and I feel like that's a pretty big upgrade to what we saw. <laughs> so, I mean, in, in, as far as I'm concerned, he took a big step. That's fair. And, um, you know, I mean, if, if he can stop people by bear hugging, at least he's stopping people. So maybe you should stop being so critical and um, <laughs> understand that uh, he is on his way to becoming a pro bowler. Sure. And um, just knock it off would be my Got recommendation it. to you. you. Got it. Okay. I think I had the exact same conversation with a Bears fan about a Chicago player. <laughs> I wonder which one <laughs> could be any of them. Take your pick. Well, that's fair, but I think I know who it might be. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ryan, who are you taking think, your next pick? I think there's two relatively low hanging fruits, one positive, one negative. I'll take the positive again, and I'm going to go with Emmanuel Wilson, the running back. Nice. Nice. Um, it's there's, there's several caveats here, but, I mean, from a guy that I thought really had zero chance, I mean, I, I barely even mentioned him when something happened because I didn't really feel it was relevant. You had Patrick Taylor, you had Tyler Goodson, you had Lou Nichols that were firmly ahead of him. And now, I mean, he is he is 
behind Patrick Taylor, and I'm not entirely certain why. I mean, I guess I am, but, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, the performance he did, and I'm going to talk about it a little more on the podcast tomorrow, just detailing kind of how unusual the performance really actually was. Um, I think I look back and since 2017, just in week one or whatever, but only two other running backs have cracked 100 yards. Only one of them was higher than what he had done. So, I mean, it really was a phenomenal performance. He's the highest graded running back. Of is that is that for one. the whole NFL or just the Packers? The NFL. Dang. Yeah. No, I, I again, I didn't think it was all that unusual, but, you know, last year it was like 70 is, is like usually the highest that anybody gets because, you know, not a lot of opportunities or whatever, which makes Emmanuel Wilson had like 19 yards per carry. But, um, I mean, it really was just a, a, a remarkable performance. And, again, the caveats being – I don't think he overtakes Patrick Taylor anyways, so he doesn't actually move up too much. He did overtake Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson, but they're both injured. Yeah. So there's would be the other caveats. <laughs> so um, it's kind of an unfortunate situation where I don't see him really having a path, primarily because what they need to see from him, they're not even giving him opportunities to prove. He didn't play on special teams, which is what he needs to prove. They didn't give him opportunities. Um, pass blocking, he didn't have any opportunities. Receiving. He didn't have opportunities. How is he going to win the job if, if you don't throw at him, give him pass blocking opportunities or put him on special teams? I don't know. But I think Patrick Taylor is going to be that guy. But but still, I mean, at the well, very we, least. We, preseason week two could be huge if right. that stuff starts happening. Then we see, right. hey, the coaches saw what we thought we saw. Right. And 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 my whole thing, even with these training camps, was give him some opportunities with, with the ones or whatever. And, and it sounds like they haven't really done that yet. But, um, yeah, I, I think they may change the game planning around, um, give him some opportunities, put him on special teams, because, you know, again, even, you know, regardless of how he did with Lou Nichols and Tyler Goodson being injured, you may have to kind of see what he's got. But right. um, either way, I mean, that that was a really, really remarkable performance. And unlike Tyler Goodson, he actually has a body type that Gutekunst and, and Matt LaFleur love. I mean, he's, what is he, yes. six foot two twenty five or something like that? He looks like, like A.J. Dillon. He's yeah, he's 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 jacked and, and he's got some great vision and everything else like we saw, some physicality. So, um, you know, again, I, I can't push him much higher, which is kind of how the criteria I was trying to use, which is why I didn't mention him earlier. But um, I mean, as far as catapulting himself from irrelevance to we need to I mean, similar to Valentine, I didn't move him either. But um, to the position of saying we need to find a way to, to get him on the roster because he seems like somebody that that should be. Um, because to get zero reward for what you did seems wrong, but at the same time, that happens all the time in the preseason. But he at least deserves to be mentioned on our list at some point. Well, let me preface what I'm about to say by saying this is a good thing because I don't want – I know Ryan, I know you, and you're going to cut me off and be like, whoa, whoa, watch it. No. <laughs> Matt LaFleur – Hey, why, might, well, watch it. <laughs> reminds me of my wife – in that he can't he can't conceal like what's going on in his heart like he's he wears his it. emotions kind of on his sleeve my wife is the same thing like she if something's wrong or something's great she can't conceal it watching Matt LaFleur's reaction to some of those Emmanuel Wilson plays he he was digging it he was having yeah. fun I, and we have seen Matt LaFleur give some opportunities to some guys in the past to, to just go out there and prove themselves a little bit. And I, I'm just telling you what I thought I saw in Matt LaFleur's face was like, all right, I like it. What I immediately thought of, because um, on the one really long Emmanuel Wilson touchdown run up the sideline, 
you could you could really see that effort and like really push in to outrun the defender who was right on his heels. And it reminded me of in 2019, what was that fullback's name? Danny Vitale. Danny Vitale got tackled on like the, like the one yard line on a kind of a long run, and like we all thought it was a cool play. And then Matt Lafleur goes to the podium and they're like, "What did you think about Danny Vitale?" And he's like. Dude, you can't get tackled at the one yard line. What are you talking about? Like he was just—he was just pissed. So, I—I oh, I just—I think that I think that he appreciates you know seeing effort like that, and and he also had fun watching that play. So I—I just—I don't think it's nothing. Is all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Before we go on any further, where is it? Uh, Mike Hebring. Where is it? Here, Mike Hebring says he'll be at practice tomorrow. What can he watch and report back on? I think for one thing, we'd like to see if Emmanuel Wilson is getting any sort of, uh, you know, advanced opportunities. Anything else that uh, we want to be fed insider info on? Uh, Carrington Valentine pick six watch. (laughs) (laughs) Let's Uh, get the counter up. Yeah. Keep an eye on Sean Ryan's greatness, if you wouldn't mind. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Honestly, like, I don't know if we're going to bring him up, but like James Empey, I think it would be. Sure. Continue to watch him because I think he delivered a de- pretty decent performance. If I'm not mistaken, I think PFF agreed with that. I think the performance was solid, and obviously a guy who's just coming in. Well, and it's things. kind of yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. We just picked him up, but at the same time, you look at him and say, "Well, what is his role? Where does Jake Hansen fall into this?" Because we haven't. I mean, he hasn't been brought well, I up. Heard he McDonald's see- is hiring. <laughs> but that's kind of my point in terms of like if they're looking for a a backup center. I mean, we have options. We don't necessarily need a Hanson or an Empey. But yeah, if they're looking for one of those guys, then um, I don't see why Empey couldn't overtake him in that role. Yeah, no, I, uh, I got I got one more. Um, can you scout out for us? Uh, Dre Miller working with the tight ends. We heard he got moved over there. He's been a t- he was a tight end, I think, with the um, with the Giants. And then got moved back to wide receiver here for us. Seems like he has had a little more success in his life at wide receiver. But yeah, I think Dre Miller came in and we all immediately thought of Alan Lazard comparisons when we, you know, kind of saw his size and the fact that he looks like a tight end. Um, but I mean, they need, they need tight end help there for sure. Okay. So I think, am I on the clock next? I think I am. So I'm going to take, um, should I take the, the positive or the negative? I, I don't think either one of you are going to take either of these players. Should I go positive or negative? Do negative. We don't have enough of those. <laughs> All right. I'm going negative. I'm going to take Henry Pearson. Um, here's my thing with Pearson. So Josiah DeGuar was out with an injury, um, did not play in the preseason game, and Pearson got just a crap load of reps. Uh, with the starting offense, he was out there all the time, and you could clearly see that he was just a stand-in for Josiah DeGuara. And that should have been an awesome opportunity for him to really show what he can do, show that he can be counted on. I think he ended up grading out kind of horribly. Uh, overall, he was one of our lower-graded players yeah. um, on offense. Then Tyler Davis gets hurt in that game and tears his ACL. He's out for the year. And like, you couldn't ask for a better opportunity for Henry Pearson here. And I think he just kind of shanked it. I think uh, Austin Allen emerged from the day as like the tight end that we all have our eyes on. And dude, Henry Pearson 
you had this opportunity right in the palm of your hand. You gotta, you gotta perform better. I, I went back and I was watching some of his blocking plays. I thought he did okay. PFF disliked him a little bit more than I did, but there were certainly some plays where I was watching him. And I'm like, geez, I hope that your coach didn't see that when he was watching this. Cause yikes. Um, so I just, I just think that, you know, yeah, there were, there were guys, um, who had really good or bad days that were a lot more prominent. But I think when you just look at what could have been for Henry Pearson, this should have been a humongous opportunity. And I just got to say, if he, if he gets another big opportunity against the Patriots in the preseason, he's got to have a better outing. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the Patriots are going to play, you know, as sound and disciplined front seven football in a preseason game as you're probably going to get. So yeah, you have to, you have to show up for this one for sure. Yeah. I mean, as as we ever get on tight on uh, fullbacks here. Yeah. Well, well, right. And and that's kind of the point is like you said, I mean, with Josiah DeGuara not playing Henry Pearson's got to be able to make it, it somewhat of an appearance. And, um, Clearly, even though Josiah Aguara isn't the greatest, you know, he's not that high high graded as as uh, as we'd like him to be either. But he at least knows what he's doing. He serves a role. You can see him in sort of the more creative plays, kind of slipping out of the backfield. And if you're going to go in there and just kind of, it wasn't even so much that he didn't even perform so well. The the team as a whole looked like they just kind of punted. You know, like they weren't really going to try to showcase him. It was just kind of. Like you said, he's he's clearly just a fill in here. So um, maybe it's more just for my sake, understanding the situation better uh, as opposed to him failing, uh, just kind of real, really realizing that there really wasn't a, a path for him, I think, to this 53. This yeah. is uh, the beginning of the fourth and probably final <laughs> round here because uh, we're already at 51 sure. minutes. So sure. uh, unless you guys really rapid fire this. This is probably your last okay. picks. Okay, I'll try, I'll, ra- I'll try rapid fire. Uh, let's let's get this out of the way here. Um, not to keep harping on the interior offensive line depth or anything. Uh, Royce <laughs> Newman, yikes. What are we doing out here? Uh, it is – it's tough to watch, honestly. Even, at, you know, when it's, you know, second and third team against, you know, whatever the Bengals are just trotting out there. I think, you know, like so much depth they have on the defensive line. It's like they're throwing out third and fourth stringers. It feels like, and just cannot take care of business. Uh, It's a lot of the same echoing statements with, with Ryan right now. It just feels like Newman's not in control when he's engaged and he struggles to get in control, you know, before contact phase, no matter what run game, pass game doesn't really matter. He just feels like he's hanging on for dear life and a lot of reps. And I just, I'm I'm concerned. Like you know, we're do we have to ask Zach Tom to play center? Are we wasting Zach Tom's prime? These questions we we need to ask them, right? Like so, I just yeah the guard the guard depth. I am I am concerned, and I know somebody asked that, like or, or somebody said it in the comments, like concerned about interior line depth. I I agree. I think you're looking for some of these guys who have and Newman's played. I don't know how many snaps he has, you know, in the regular season, but it's not nothing. So like, and we have, we're trying to like make this happen and it's, it's just, it's not happening. And, you know, we're, we're, you know, an Elton Jenkins injury away, dare I say it and hope I knock out wood here. Like 
having some serious problems on the interior. Like it's just guys are just not stepping up. I, Runyon's kind of, you know, we know what he is, right? He's he's the one dimensional guy. We know we know where he has thrived and where he he struggles a little bit. And it's, you know, yeah. Like I said, are we how much how much of Zach Thomas Prime are we going to waste here if we got to throw him in at center, <laughs> right? Like this is we need to know. Is this. Any, so is anybody dra- planning on drafting John Runyon today? No, because uh, I thought no. it was more of the same. I thought it was like kind of like what we've seen recently. It I, just seemed yeah. very one dimensional again. His his. I just want to. Also, he played center, like a... so there's you know some of that. You know, we could <laughs> that little uh, Clifford hiccup. I don't know. I don't know whose fault that was, but just saying, Runyon was under center there. So it does say something that we are playing or trying to play two potentially really good tackles at guard because we don't have any guards like Elton and Zach or, or not guard, but in the, on the interior, yeah. like Zach, Tom and Elton were both, we are either are playing or are thinking about playing on the interior. And we, I think we would all be comfortable if those were our starting two tackles, like, you know, not expecting them to be the best tackle duo in the league, but would you be nervous about that? I don't think any of us would be nervous about Elton at left and Zach Tom at right or vice versa. But we're playing potentially both of them on the interior because we can't get anybody else to step up. That's yeah. a problem. And that's yeah. the other thing. Last year, Zach Tom plays 110 snaps at guard. Now, why would that be? Yeah. Why would that be when he's, you know, a few ticks over 300 coming in? Yeah. Like, this is not a place where he should be playing. And you can kind of tell that he's giving up ground because he's just, he, he doesn't have the mass to, to, to hang in here. But there's like, this is all we have. He is the best option. And he, he hung in there. Give him credit. But, like, this is not where he should be. And there's got to be something. We, something's got to give here. What if Whether we look that back. be Myers, I don't know. <laughs> I was about to say, what if we look back in a couple of years and we're like, man, can you believe we used to play Josh Myers at center and he's like a all-pro guard now? <laughs> right. Well. All yeah. right. Anything else on your uh, Royce Newman or interior stuff, Jake? No, but I feel like I've I've really become <laughs> the negative guy in here, just bashing the guards right now. It's just been. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Just, Somebody has to. The the yeah, guards were not I'll be good. The, I'll be the bad guy today. That's fine. Hey, I'll I'll, I'll hop on with you uh, for a second and just say, I think John Runyon deserves some sort of like a you know, uh, paper hat of shame for hit, for the run blocking. That was some of the silliest I mean, run blocking I've seen. I mean. Good pass blocker, but the run yeah, blocking another, is that's, that's Runyon. Just another day. It's the office. Yeah. I just that's what happens. He's perfect for a QB who likes to sit back and scramble. That's <laughs> he's great in that. He he can hang in that role. There's no problem there. My my favorite play watching Runyon from this game. It's a run play, and he just runs straight toward the sideline, but like on his tiptoes. He like runs on his tiptoes straight toward the sideline and launches himself through the air. Dolphin dives into nothing <laughs> out of bounds. Good thing he didn't you I, know, I break love the ankles he, of somebody on the sideline there. 
I love that he like he he dove into a dude at the end of the play on one of them too, and it was like no, the you, guy was missed, already laying on the ground. Yeah, you missed like three guys, but hey, at least you got that dude on the ground. Got big him, ups, big ups there. <laughs> no, it does. When he's pulling, it looks like he they like, both kind of bounce too, like boom, like kung fu panda. Yeah, when he's when he's pulling, when he's playing center, it just looks like he's like I, I gotta be somewhere, but that somewhere is not engaged with anybody playing defense. Like <laughs> I don't know where you're running, a, buddy. But you got hey, Michael Michael Scott like. I'm very fast. I'm very fast. <laughs> Running 20 miles an hour. Oh, <laughs> the uh, AWS stats is like, can you believe it? Look at the wheels on this guy. Where's yeah. he going? <laughs> yeah. Ryan, you're up. All right. I will go negative. Um, partially because the last time we did this, I was very, very high on someone and they kind of dashed my dreams a little bit. But that person is Lucas Van Ness. Um, I, I was. One million percent bought in. He's going to shock the entire world. He's too powerful. He's too fast. And then I watched him every time I saw him, and he just looked like a lost puppy out there. He made he did nothing. He was falling down, tripping over himself. He wasn't even able to push the guy back even a little bit. It was about as ugly a performance as I've seen from an edge rusher. Not, I mean, I don't have a lot of fear or concern, but in terms of um, buying and selling stock market wise. Um, I, I I bought a little bit too much stock, and I'm I'm gonna have to start selling some of that off. So, um, look, he's he's raw. I mean, he's still powerful. I'm sure he's got he, he can still do the things that he can do. And I feel like he was trying to do outside of that. He was trying to get a little bit more creative than I think he's able to do. So it, it just it just kind of was bringing me back down to reality a little bit in terms of you know he's still raw. He's got a long way to go to get to where he needs to get, and. Um, you know, he'll he'll be a good football player, but he's not anywhere near where I thought I guess he was, and that made me a little bit sad. Quick goose, can you predict for us whether Lucas Van Ness will make the fifty three? <laughs> yeah, I need I need bold predictions. This is this is important. <clears throat> for my last guy, I'm taking a dude and I, I don't know if I should hundred percent say that I think he helped himself a ton, because you could also maybe make a small argument that he sort of hurt himself by what he sort of revealed, but I was watching Dallin Leva on defense. Who's not a guy who has made a lot of defensive contributions in his time in green Bay, basically just a special teamer Dallin Levitt was always in the right spot. And he's so tiny that it kind of never mattered. Like he was there and like getting dragged, you know, he's like got his hand around the guy's foot and he's just getting dragged down the field. And I'm like, on the one hand, I was really impressed that just mentally he was just totally dialed in. He was always in the right spot. Like every single time that like there was a dude who was wide open, caught a ball, and I thought, oh, man, this is going for like 12 yards or something. Levitt would just come screaming in from the sideline, and I'm just like, where did he come from? Like he suddenly he's on my screen. Bam, he's right there. And it kind of doesn't matter very much because he gets dragged for three or four yards. <laughs> so I don't know like what to do with that. Like, I think he's smart. I think he's a good defensive player. And I think that he weighs like 80 pounds and maybe it doesn't matter. So I don't know. Um, I, I had fun watching him. And I think that's the first time I've ever been able to say that about down Levitt on defense, had fun watching him. I like toward the end of the game, I was like cheering. Like he'd, He'd come flying in off the screen out of nowhere. I'm like, yeah, it's number six again. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I, I had a lot of fun watching him. I, I think it's going to endear him to the coaches a bit, but maybe they can teach him how to leverage what little bit of weight he has 
for a more efficient uh, tackling. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's that special teamer in him. You know, I mean, he's just got that reckless abandon. That's that's just that's his whole thing. It doesn't necessarily mean he's a good football player, but he's that guy that's just going to come flying in your screen, just lay somebody out, and it's like, oh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it, but yeah, that's true. He's kind of like who is that? Josh Jones. Remember that? Oh, he drafted man. that guy in the safety in the second round. Oh, that was like his one move. He just laid people. I think he concussed yeah. one of our players actually in <laughs> practice, which wasn't great. <laughs> he did. But yeah, that, that was yeah. that was his one no, thing. Is he just laid people right. out? Yep. He was he was like the uh, John, it's very Jonathan Abram. Alex Magoo. Yeah, exactly. Abram. Jo- Jonathan Abram, very much like that. Just like, hey, you know, I can I can get up to 18, 19 miles per hour and just smoke this dude if you want. I don't even care if I die. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. AWS is Shoulder like, injuries? Oh, who's John Runyon? Watch this guy. <laughs> no. You're not going to believe how fast he is. I know you said we wanted to cut off here, but you, you, you got me on like a thing. Like, speaking of dudes, you said, you know, Levitt weighs like 80 pounds. I just wanted to highlight, you know, Shamarjean Charles really quick. Yeah. Uh, I thought he had a good day. Yeah. You know what? I, I thought we were probably going to be by, you know, second week in the preseason be like, you know, I know he's played, but like, you know, Valentine and other guys have kind of just stepped up and we haven't heard much from him. And I thought, well, maybe he's just going to kind of fade to black a little bit. And no, he, he came out fighting. Uh, love the way he fought at the catch point. Very impressed. Uh, played his butt off trying to tackle as well. Like I, was not expecting that. Pleasantly surprised. Still got work to do. Obviously, stack success. So, I feel like just about everybody who missed any kind of time this past week got bumped down a couple spots on my depth chart because the dudes who got opportunities in their absence kind of killed it for the most part. Yeah, yeah, and, and just because I don't know when you're planning on just putting a hard stop on this, I, I we cannot end this without mentioning Anders Carlson. I'm just going to throw that out there. We we yeah. can't not dog the guy. Yeah. So no, you're right. <laughs> I mean, you can't miss back to back. I don't. I don't have a, a much a bunch to expand on that. And obviously, he's still going to be our kicker. But I just feel like it would be inappropriate to not um, mention his ineptitude, if if you will. And also, a uh, minor shout out to Sean Clifford, uh, just because I thought he had a lot of fun. And if nothing else, yeah. people got excited about him and kind of turned around from. Uh, aside from the few people who are like, oh, he's going to win the job or whatever, who've been there since we drafted him for whatever reason. I think most people really just felt like he is the most inept, useless person on planet Earth and he can't do anything and are pleasantly which, surprised to find out. If nothing else, he's exciting to watch. Yeah, which it, it kind of cracked me up how quickly the narrative flipped on Sean Clifford because I kind of felt like he was who he has always been. Right, and. Exactly. The narrative has been, this guy can't even play football like at all. It's, he's not, he is not an NFL player, period. To, whoa, maybe we got something like legit here at QB2. Yeah, Dang. All right. Yeah. It's like, he didn't do anything other than tapes. what he's always been watching. <laughs> how the turn table. Like, I just watched that one last night. Like, that's, that's what it feels like 100%. It's like, yeah, like, this is this, this is the like really good scrambler that we, we've seen at Penn state, like he's done this. It's like, he's going to have a few throws where he it's in rhythm and he, he challenges the window and he's got the window and that's exciting. And yeah, that pass to Wicks, everybody's been talking about it, you know, for days now and they should be, it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, he's late stage Brett Favre. 
Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit, you know, a little bit. However, when I, when I was trying to get rid of Danny Etling and um, some people were trying to pump up like the value of having a, a running quarterback for the scout team, I'm like, do you not know how athletic Sean Clifford is? Like, right. he, yeah. He kind of can't pass that well, but he's <laughs> extremely mobile. <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, get a faster Tebow on the roster. That's all we. That's what we want, right? Like, yeah. For the scout team stuff, you know. But yeah, he played well. I think it's it's a good shout. Um, I do think like, I know Daniel just like, <laughs> just put it in the chat. I mean, it's it's hard not to it's hard not to bring up a dude who's just you know running like a gazelle in the open field. And, and like, I thought you meant Daniel's other comment about Musgrave. Musgrave is a tall baby. Oh, oh, either way, oh. either way. Well, it's helped or hurt. So either one was going to be, you know, flip a coin a little bit. Oh, we I, keep I, forgetting to, to read these out loud for the audio, folks. The, the one that we, the one that we didn't read was, yeah. he's a future fourth alternate Pro Bowl tight end. Hey, hey, listen, listen. Musgrave yeah. might lead the team in targets this year. You never know, just based on the way that Jordan Lowe's been. Whipping it to him in practice. Just saying. <laughs> All there I'm saying is. is <laughs> that's good. There we go. Sean Clifford is white Mike Vick. All right. One of us yeah, had to read vanilla that out. Vanilla Vick. Yep. Um, oh, no, Vanilla like, Vick. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Vanilla Vick. Yeah. Dang. Um, T-shirt. But like, yeah. <laughs> but like, okay, first off, fourth alternate Pro Bowl tight end. We just got a big influx of young talent tight end. Okay. that's That would be no slouch being a fourth alternate. The, the tight end, I, I do think the NFL legitimately like the young tight end group joining is big time, and like we're going to have a lot of conversations about all of them, which is really exciting going forward. But oh man, yeah, there we no, go. No goose, we said vanilla Vic, vanilla, not mayo Vic. That Shut doesn't, up, it doesn't goose. roll off the tongue as well. Like, that's just <laughs> mayo. That's, there's no alliteration there. Um, but I mean, you know what? I I give him credit for competing as a blocker. Was it pretty at all times? No. Uh, the goal line one though, moving the defender out of the way, him and Wicks, like I said, like that's perfectly good to see, you know, going backside on split zone, handling a little bit of, you know, defensive lineman, at least just delaying the inevitable a little bit, the slow loss, like can work with that. And he's got the frame and the body to do it. Just take some time, you know? So I, well, you guys, you guys had a bunch of like honorary, picks that you threw in at the last second. Yeah, had to. <laughs> Elmer's had to. Oh my gosh. I'm not going to make it through this, man. I'm starting to geek out a little bit. Go ahead and do your shirt. <laughs> All right, that's my last oh, one. No. William Hooper, um, oh, just in terms of like somebody we had zero expectations of, he ended up being the highest graded player on defense, the 90.3 overall grade. He played 20 coverage snaps. Um, I mean, that's the... Uh, just throw it out there. If I can get my words out with all these stupid <laughs> Vic names. Oh man! Stop we're, it, you guys. We've lost, we've lost it. It's. Uh, I should. <laughs> it's going, my fault. It's my end. fault. It's not my fault. I I take full responsibility for that. Um, Real talk. This is about as much um, attention as William Hooper's probably going to get from the coaching staff. You know, with as far down the the depth chart as he is. Like, hey, what'd you think about my ninety point three? Uh, PFF grade, and the coaches are like, did you hear this Michael Vick nickname? 
<laughs> yeah. Wonder Bread Vic. Yeah. <laughs> We've lost it. Uh, All right. Let's let's call it. Uh, uh, let's see here. Follow us on Twitter at JJ Leahy, at Pack underscore Daddy, and at Jake NFL Draft to stay up to date on all things Packers or ask questions for the show. The show, which, by the way, still doesn't have a name. So, hey, if you guys <laughs> stop with the nickname, I can't look at the screen. I'm, like, blocking it out. Uh, if you guys have suggestions for a name for this show, if you like this show, give us some feedback because this is just our second episode of whatever this roundtable podcast is. But we've been having a lot of fun, so I would like to do some more of these if you two want to. As for all you idiots in the comments dropping your Miracle Whip Vic nicknames. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you're subscribed to Packernet on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com